Jesus, thank you that we come under a powerful name this morning. Thank you that this isn't just a gathering, Lord, but we get to come under the powerful name of Jesus. I thank you that you have no rival this morning. Thank you for that. But I pray for every person in here this morning, anything in our lives that's trying to be a rival of yours, I pray that it would rightfully bow its knee to Jesus. May we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Would you come, would you heal every bit of brokenness, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, Lord, we pray the power of the name of Jesus this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you restore us in your beautiful name. We love you. Pray that you speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen, amen. Give somebody a hug as you sit down. Make sure you still like the person you're sitting next to. We give our worship team a round of applause this morning. They just did awesome. Man, way to go, team. Proud of those guys. Is your neighbor doing well this morning? We don't know. Nobody's asked. You guys had several opportunities to see how that person was doing next week. You'll get it. Open up to John chapter 16. If you've got a Bible. Uh, if you do not have a Bible and you would like a Bible, uh, we've got some to hand out. Just raise your hand. It's totally normal if you raise your hand for this. It's okay. We'd love to give you one for you to keep. Uh, so if you want a Bible, you don't own one or something, we'd love to put one in your hands. If you need help taking notes, we've got something for you too. So raise your hand if you need anything, a drink, $5, whatever. Our host team will be glad to give them to you, especially Mark Fraser. You got some $5 bills on you. Oh, no, no, you don't get them. You give them. All right, John 16, open up your Bible if you've got it this morning. A couple people got your Bibles, I hear. That's good. I can hear them turning. Good job. We are uh, in a new series uh, that we're doing uh, part two this morning. It's called, What's the Big Deal About Jesus? What's the big deal about Jesus? And the reason we're doing this series is that I think it's a question that we're all asking. Either we are currently asking it, we have asked it in the past. Uh, but it's a question that is uh, very real in our own personal lives. It's real in our world. People are wondering, maybe you're wondering, what's the big deal about Jesus. Whether you like Jesus or not, you probably have an opinion about him. If you're a Christian, you probably do what you can to make a big deal about Jesus. I mean, you came to church. Uh, we sang some songs. Maybe you've got a t-shirt about Jesus. You make a big deal about Jesus. But I wonder if you do really know why. Like, what, what's the big deal about Jesus? Is it bigger than church? Is it bigger than maybe a t-shirt? Or uh, maybe you, you don't follow Jesus, and you're here this morning just genuinely asking the question. I hear these Christians making a big deal about Jesus, but um, maybe you've read the Bible a little bit. Maybe you've been in church before. Maybe you haven't, but you're still wondering. I, I don't really understand. What's, what's the big deal about Jesus? If you've spent much time in church or around Christians in your life, and you've ever kind of asked this question or discussed this question, you've probably gotten answers that revolve a lot around your death, about where do you go when you die? That's, what, that's why Jesus is a big deal, because he affects your destination for you when you die. And that is a huge deal. I mean, Jesus is the only one who loved you and, and died to forgive you of your sins and can make heaven now your destination when you die. That is absolutely a huge deal. But I think, um, the, I guess the question that we're asking, though, what's the big deal about Jesus is more of an exploration into the truth that maybe salvation isn't just about a destination. Maybe it's an invitation. Maybe it's not just a destination for your death, but it's an invitation into life. When it comes to your life, what's the big deal about Jesus? I think it's a, I think it's a good question. 
Last week, we started off this series. We uh, talked about a, um, an episode in, in Jesus' life where he's having a conversation with some of his best friends, his disciples, and he's really asking this exact question to them. He knows uh, that people are talking about him. He's been walking around healing people, saying lots of amazing things. And so people are talking about Jesus, and he wants to know, his, he asks his best friends, he asks them first a really, a really general question. Hey, when they out there, he says, who, who, do, who do people say that I am? Kind of asks this general question, and uh, they kind of start a conversation about it. But then he turns and he asks a personal question. He asks the real question. When he says to them, okay, who do they say I am? But I want to, who do you say I am? He makes the general question personal. And the general question, what's the big deal about Jesus? You know this. This, this is not an uh, intense question. You can have a lot of really great, comfortable, casual conversation with just about anybody around the general, philosophical maybe, conversation. Who, 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 do, who, who, do, who do people say Jesus is? But when it becomes a personal question, that's when the question gets a little bit more pointed and most conversations get awkward at that point. Not just who do they say that Jesus is out there, but who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? When Jesus looks at you, his question is a personal question. And he, when he asks you, who do you say that Jesus is? We had a couple of main points. I want to just hit on those last week because I think that uh, they're important. We're going to kind of be building on them as we go through the series. So if you were here last week and you didn't write them down, here's your chance number two. And if you missed it, you're forgiven. And you can write them down now. First point that we built on last week that we're going to probably be hitting on as we continue going is, number one, it sounds simple, but Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. Sounds simple. Sounds kind of silly, maybe. But Jesus is a big deal by virtue of who he is. When Peter, this conversation that we're talking about, when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? One of the disciples named Peter, he speaks up and he says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's a big statement. So Jesus, you are God. That's a big deal. But what's important about this confession that Jesus makes that we've got to understand is that when Jesus was the first human to confess Jesus as the son of the living God, he didn't do it because the Bible told him so. He didn't do it because his pastor told him so. Peter didn't confess Jesus because of something someone had told him, but because of someone he had come to know. Because of someone he had come to know. And this is the big deal about Jesus, is that he is not a theoretical idea. He is God, and we can know him. Jesus is a big deal simply by virtue of who he is. Regardless of anybody's opinion, what you may or may not have heard about him, it doesn't change who he is by nature. He is God. Jesus is a big deal because of who he is, number one. Anybody get that written down? Are we doing good? Good deal. Number two, the, the second thing uh, that we hit on last week is, is I want you to write this down. When you know who Jesus is, you learn who you are. What's the big deal about Jesus? When you know who Jesus is, you learn who you are. When Peter makes this confession again, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, Jesus, I know who you are. And Jesus turns to him and he gives him a new name. He gives him a new mission. He invites him into a new life. Peter confessed who Jesus was, it changed who Peter was. It's the same for you. When you know who Jesus is, when you surrender your life to him, you find out who you really are. This is the big deal about Jesus. He is a big deal because of who he is, and when you get to know him, you get to know you. This is why Jesus is a big deal. That was a little bit of a refresher 
last week, we started digging into this question. When it comes to your life, the day-to-day, in and out, what's the big deal about Jesus? This week, I want to title this sermon, You're Going to Feel a Little Pressure. Go write that at the top of your notes. You're going to feel a little pressure. Go ahead and apply some pressure to your neighbor. Say, you're going to feel a little pressure. You're going to feel a little pressure. Two of you said it. That's okay. We believe church is a participation sport at Antioch, so uh, you're allowed to have a good time. Shout me down. Say amen. If I tell you to hit somebody, just go ahead and hit them. Tell them the pastor told you so. You're going to feel a little pressure. You're going to feel a little pressure. Everybody been to the doctor's office, and they never tell you that you're going to feel some pain. You're just going to feel a little pressure. You go in for surgery. They're about to cut you open, and it's not going to hurt, but you're just going to feel a little bit of pressure. They've got you strapped down to a plastic bed, chained down, and he's got a needle the size of a ballpoint pen, and he's it's not going to hurt, but you're going to feel a little bit of pressure. You're going to feel a little bit of pressure. Has anybody ever felt any pressure in life? Maybe. Maybe you've got some pressure in life. I think that maybe you might be here this morning because you feel a little bit of pressure in life. I want to encourage you, though, this morning, right off the bat, that if you are here this morning and you are a Christian, you are a Christ follower, no matter what your pressure is, you're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. You can walk with Jesus through anything, no matter how big your pressure feels right now, no matter how bad the situation or how certain you are it's about to crush you. Wherever you are this morning, I want you to know in Jesus you're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. You may feel a little bit of pressure, but Jesus is with you, and Jesus is a big deal. Somebody say amen if you're encouraged this morning. You're going to feel a little bit of pressure. We're going to be in John chapter 16. Did I say that already? Well, I was supposed to read those verses earlier, and I didn't. So we're going to read them now. John 16, verse 31, starting in verse 31 at the very end. If you're there, say, I'm there. Good deal. John 16, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each uh, to his own house, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Hmm. In this world, you will have tribulation. If you've ever had some tribulation, say, maybe that's me. Eh, let's be honest, like six or seven of us. But take your heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In, Jesus, uh, in John chapter 16 here, Jesus is having a final conversation with his disciples before he uh, is arrested and taken off to be crucified. If you're with us a few weeks ago, we talked about some verses out of John chapter 15, which if you know your numbers, was right before John chapter 16. And we talked about how these uh, chapters here in the Bible, they chronicle for us kind of the final hours and final conversations that Jesus has with his disciples before he is betrayed by his best friend and he is wrongfully tried by people who hate him and then crucified and raises from the dead. So these are Jesus' final moments uh, with his disciples here. And, and, and what he wants to leave them with is this verse here in, in John 16, verse 33. He says, I have said these things to you. You've been best friends with me for three years. We've been through a lot together, and I've said a lot of things, and I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. He's in the world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. These are Jesus' last recorded words in John's gospel that Jesus speaks to his disciples. John chapter 17, Jesus speaks, but he's praying. He's, he's not necessarily talking to his disciples. He's got this prayer. And then John 18, he's betrayed, and here we go. What Jesus wants to leave 
with his best friends is this idea in verse 33. I've said a lot to you, and I want you to know I've said it all because you're going to need peace. You're going to need peace. You need to know who I am. You need to know about this kingdom of God that I've been telling you about because you're going to be looking for peace in life. You're going to be looking for peace. And the reason I know that is because you're humans, and we're all looking for peace. He says you're going to be looking for peace, but not only are you humans, but I know that you're going to have trouble in this world. And when you get in trouble, you're going to be looking for peace. You're going to have some trials. You're going to have some stuff go on. You're going to have some stuff come up, but take heart. I've overcome the world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I've been telling you who I am because life is about to happen. Things are about to get wild for his friends here, more wild than they could have ever dreamed or ever imagined. As you read the rest of the Bible, you see them involved in some stuff they definitely weren't told was going to happen when they were kids. Life is about to get wild, and he wants them to know, take heart, I have overcome the world. He's saying life is about to happen. And this word tribulation, in my, in my Bible it's translated tribulation, maybe yours says trouble or something like that. This word can uh, mean, it's got a several different definitions. It can mean trials or trouble or tribulation. It can mean a pressing together and it has also this, this feeling that goes with it of pressure. He's saying you're going to feel some pressure, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We've all been under pressure. Some of you are under pressure right now. I don't need to convince anybody that sometimes life comes with its pressure. And sometimes life comes with pressure because of a bad decision that you make. Sometimes it's your own sin. Sometimes it's your own fault. Sometimes you find yourself in a little bit of a bind. And if we're honest, it's like, well, <laughs> I kind of brought myself here. I put this pressure on myself. Maybe that's not been you, but I know I've found myself in some pressure situations because uh, I was kind of an idiot. We've been there. We've been there. We found ourselves in some pressure-filled situations by our own decisions. But sometimes the pressure in our life isn't because of that. Sometimes God's just trying to do something in us. And if God's ever, uh, if you've been following Jesus or God's ever tried to, been get, it, tried to get a message across to you and maybe uh, you have a thick head like me or maybe you just didn't catch it, but sometimes he applies some pressure. Sometimes it takes a little bit of a, of a trial or, or something in my life to wake me up to what God wants to do. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe God has even brought some pressure on your life. And, and that's, that's interesting. Sometimes it's my bad decision. Sometimes it's God, and God is good, so all the pressure can't be bad. I don't know. And sometimes even the pressure has no spiritual connotation at all. It's just like you're alive, and stuff's happening, and you just feel pressure. You just went to work on Tuesday, and there was some pressure. One spiritual anything about it. You just, your coworker is smelling funny. You just found yourself under some pressure. Sometimes you find yourself in some pressure in life. And if you take this Christianity thing seriously, if you really want to follow Jesus, I've got something to tell you. It maybe spoils something you've been told before, but you're actually going to have a good deal of pressure in your life as a result of following Jesus. Sometimes... That's where our biggest pressure comes from because I'm just trying to follow Jesus. I'm just trying to be a Christian in this world, and there's pressure coming on me. I thought maybe when I followed Jesus, all the pressure would leave, but sometimes it just gets a little bit worse. Sometimes you're going to feel a little bit of pressure as you walk with Jesus. Maybe you felt this before, that when you follow Jesus, there's some stuff that comes up. There's some stuff that comes up in life, and life 
you are going to feel a little bit of pressure. Now, that's not news. That's not like news to you, but we just need to make sure we're on the same page. But there's something that I love about what Jesus says here that I think is important. And uh, he says, in the world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I think this is great. And Sam Best did a great job making this, didn't he? Way to go, Sam. He says, in the world, you're going to have trouble. Saying the source is the world, the, the source of living in this world, you're going to have some symptoms. You're going to have some trouble that come from the source. You're going to have some symptoms that come from the source. But I want you to take heart because I have overcome the source. We need to catch that because sometimes it's easy to get really discouraged about my personal situations and wonder why are these personal situations allowed to happen, but we can't lose vision of the fact that God has overcome the source. And sometimes in the midst of the source, you're going to find some personal pressure. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. In the midst of of living out the personal situations, that personal circumstance, that personal decision that you made. Take heart. Take heart. God's bigger than your personal situation. Your personal situation fits into an overcome source. I promise you it does. It doesn't always make sense, and I can't always explain it, but Jesus has overcome the source. I need you to know that, especially if you're a Christian this morning, you get discouraged when pressure gets applied. It's okay. It's actually really normal that you're under some pressure. You're going to feel some pressure, but never forget that he's overcome the source. He's overcome the source. This is who God is. In the big picture, he's overcome the big picture, even though we may have some personal situations in the midst of it. The reason that we're doing this series, like I said at the beginning, is that uh, we can talk a lot about Jesus when it comes to a moment of salvation where we give our lives to Jesus and he forgives us, forgives us of our sins. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That moment is a big deal. We talk a lot about the moment and sometimes then we talk a lot about the eternity of it. We talk about the destination that the moment got you. But in the middle, there's this thing called life, right? And we are all feeling a little bit of pressure. And we are all asking this question, when it comes to this life, when it comes to this life, how does it work out that God's a big deal? What does it mean that he has overcome? When it comes to my Monday morning, my mundane, my not enough money, the kids are doing this, my spouse and I have this going on, does Jesus really matter? Does it matter that Jesus overcame, whatever that has to do with anything, with my Monday morning? That was great on Sunday. I got encouraged, but what about now? What about now? When it comes to your life in the middle of the moment and the destination, I don't want us to be people. The, the thing about Jesus, the truth about him overcoming is that he has given us the right not just to survive in the life, but thrive in the life. It doesn't mean the situations are always going to line up. Sometimes your situations aren't going to thrive, but in him you can have peace. We need to start living our lives in Jesus, not just in our circumstances. What's the big deal about Jesus? He's bigger than your circumstance. He's bigger than your situation. And if we as Christians can grab hold of the right that he has given us in salvation to live in him, we will find peace. Sometimes we wait too long for our circumstances to change before we decide we're doing okay. The good news about Jesus is he makes you okay. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying there's not going to be real scars and real pain that actually hurts, but Jesus has overcome. Jesus has overcome. You know, the big deal about Jesus when it comes to your life 
is that he promises peace in the pressure. As a Christian, you have the right to step into a promise to have peace in the pressure. If you believe, if you believe, if you walk with Jesus, you can have peace in the pressure. Like I said, sometimes we get sidetracked thinking that this Christian life, you know, I'm not going to have to do anything with Jesus because Jesus paid it all. I thought Jesus paid it all. Why do I still have these things? But the thing is, Jesus did absolutely pay it all. He paid for every one of your sins and everybody else's sins. He paid to heal every disease. He paid it all, absolutely. But instead of taking you now out of the pressure, you get the invitation of stepping in to deliver the goods that he paid for. You get to step into people's pressure and deliver the goods that he paid for. Sometimes we just want Jesus to take us out of the pressure, but that's not how Jesus lived his life. We look at Jesus, we don't see, we don't see a God who avoided pressure at all costs. He embraced it. He was the king of kings. The Bible says that he stepped off his throne, took on our flesh and bone, and lived on our planet. He underwent all bits of pressure that we could face, every temptation. He died on a cross. The way Jesus overcomes pressure is not by running from it, building up high walls in his church and staying as far away and die. Bad things, stay away. No, he jumped in and he overcomes. He jumps in and he overcomes. When Jesus overcomes, it looks painful and it looks bloody, but it looks like resurrection. And sometimes we want the power of the resurrection without walking through the pressure. If you're a Christian, I'm trying to put some courage in you today because I think that we're missing the point sometimes. I think if we look around, us Christians, we can look no different than anybody else when the pressure gets applied. I knew it was going to be quiet today. We start looking no different than anybody else when the pressure is applied. When there's no pressure, we're happy. But when the pressure gets on, well, Jesus saved me, but I got to figure this one out. Well, Jesus doesn't care about my marriage. I got to work that out. I got to go fix that myself. Or maybe I just, there's no hope because it's just too far gone. But we can walk with Jesus. He has overcome the world. And he has overcome your situation. This is who Jesus is. The difference between you and somebody who's, who isn't walking with Jesus is not that you're not going to feel pressure. It's that you get the promise of peace in the pressure. And that's what the world's looking for. Nobody wants advice from somebody who's not going through anything. Like I said, I think it just, this, this gets me fired up because I think in the midst of being so, um, seeing pressure wrongly, we're getting so scared and we're running away when the truth is that we have been given an invitation to step in and deliver to a hurting and broken world what Jesus paid for. If we'll choose, if we'll choose to step into the pressure, if we'll choose to step into the pressure, and sometimes we come down on each other when we feel pressure. Well, if you were a better Christian, maybe you wouldn't be under so much pressure. There's actually a story uh, in, in John where uh, Jesus comes up on this guy who's blind, and his disciples say, well, Jesus, what's his problem? Why is he so blind? Like, he did something wrong. Did he sin? Did his parents sin? And Jesus says, no, actually, the reason he's blind is because God's going to show his glory, and he heals him. Maybe there's some pressure in your life because God's waiting to break through in his glory. And it's going to be a testimony to everybody else who's been watching you. How do you handle the pressure? Oh, you guys don't want me to go there this morning. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. I won't force you. If you wanted it, you got it. 
I just wonder maybe if there's some Christians in the room that need to take heart this morning. I just wonder if maybe you need to take heart this morning. That Jesus is with you. That Jesus is with you. That everything Jesus has told you was not to take you out of the pressure, but because he was so good that he gave you a heads up that the pressure's coming. And when it comes, don't forget, in me, you're going to have peace. Don't run to the drink again. Don't run to that girl again. Don't run to that phone number again. Don't run to that website again, that credit card again. That, come on, we don't got to run to those things. But when it happens, remember, in me, you will have peace. You're going to have the trouble. I don't think Jesus was like, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He's about to pray and get arrested because his best friend betrayed him with a kiss. Maybe he's looking at some Christians. They had been with him the whole time, right? They had been with him from the beginning. They had been through some stuff. They were as in as in can be with him. I think maybe Jesus needed to get into somebody's face with some courage to put some strength inside of him. Not in anger or anything, but just, I need to be honest. You're going to have some trouble, but take heart. Don't give up. I've overcome the world. And if you live in my overcoming power, then the world will see the peace that you've been carrying through it. It's not going to make sense, but the best way to show the Prince of Peace sometimes is to live through some pressure. And the world's looking for some peace. The pressure's not going anywhere. So it's up to us to bring the, pre- the peace into the pressure. As people watching, take heart, because he's overcome the world. We have the right, as Christians, as Christians, you have the right to walk in the power of the peace That's not bullet point. This is how you do it. Because you do it by walking with Jesus. And that's frustrating. Because I wish I could just check some boxes. But like relationships hard and messy. And, but we can walk with Jesus. This is who God is. This is who God is. Sometimes I think we need to know that the pressure in our life isn't condemnation. Maybe you're the person who every time a little trial comes up, you think God's just judging you. Maybe he's trying to give you a gift. Maybe he's trying to take you deeper. Maybe it's the grace of God that you're actually going through some pressure. Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus was the exact representation of God. When God wanted to exactly reveal himself to us, he became a person who died on a cross. He went through some pressure. may not take you out of the pressure, but he knows what the pressure feels like, and he's with you in the pressure. And because he has overcome, he's not just a visitor, he is victory. There is peace in the pressure. Your God is an overcoming God, which means you're an overcomer too. Because when you get to know who Jesus is, you learn who you are. And maybe that's what you need this morning. Maybe you need to connect that dot. Yeah, I know God's good. I know God can do all that stuff, but I'm just a dreadful sinner person over here. Well, if you're in Christ, you have peace, and that peace builds a bridge and makes you an overcomer too. You have the right to overcome in Jesus' name.
anybody getting encouraged this morning? Or is it just me? Because I need it. I'm going to talk about two things, two ways for you to respond to the fact that Jesus is a big deal because he's overcome the world. Two things. Everybody do two things. I could do 37. You want all those or just the two? We'll do the two. We'll do the two. Number one, feed your faith. Feed your faith. Feed your faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And here's what I want you to know about faith, because this is something I'm currently learning about faith, is that faith is hard. Faith, like, always takes faith. That sounds crazy. That's like the number one thing God's teaching me right now. Because by definition, I can't see what I have faith in. I think I've always thought that if I just have enough faith, eventually I'll see that thing so it'll be easier to have faith in it. But once I can see it, it's no longer faith, it's fact, which is awesome. But I still need to have more faith for the next thing and the next thing. and the next. Faith takes faith. So if you're like, man, well, faith is hard. Well, join the club. It doesn't make you a bad Christian. It doesn't mean you don't believe in God. Man, sometimes I swear my faith is at like 2%. But that's better than zero. Sometimes there's questions. Sometimes there's things that you don't understand. But it's okay that if you can't see it, it's still a struggle. But it goes on a little later and it says it's faith that pleases God. And that's cool. Feed your faith. By definition, you can't see it. Faith always takes faith. And the thing about faith is faith always seems to go against my feelings. I just want to live by my feelings, don't you? They're terrible leaders. They're not even that good of friends. They're great followers. Somebody needs to write that down. Faith always seems to go against my feelings. And not only that, not, not only is it believing what I can't see, it always seems to go against what I can see. Faith is hard. you got to feed your faith. Faith is hard, so feed your faith. I want to turn your attention to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says uh, something that we're going to talk about. What does it mean to feed your faith? How do I feed my faith? It says, so faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of Christ. I want you to write this down. What you hear shapes what you see. What you hear shapes what you see. Faith is believing in what you can't see. And faith comes by hearing. What you hear will shape what you see. You've got to feed your faith. You've got to decide what you're going to listen to. When it comes to your faith, when it comes to what you are going to believe. Because I think that maybe, maybe we all know this. Like Maybe you don't know this for you personally, but maybe you've had a friend uh, that, that's done this because you've got this totally locked down. But your friend needs some work. You can be looking at the same pressure point and see two different things. You've got a friend come to you and say, well, this is coming on. And I'm hopeless. I got no chance. There's no way out. I can't do anything. And you're sitting there like, I think if you just had a phone call, you could probably fix that whole thing. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't your friend. Maybe, men, it was your wife that you saw. Maybe it's really not that complicated. 
Am I not allowed to say that in church? I mean, come on, man, back me up, hurry. You know, sometimes your wife brings you these complicated problems, and you're like, I think if you would just say, she's like, don't say it. You're looking at the same pressure point, you're seeing two different things. Because what you hear shapes what you see. And maybe you're trying to figure out if you're worth anything. And so you stand in front of the mirror, and depending on what you've been listening to, it depends what you see in that mirror. You've been listening to the Instagram world, and the magazines that you're flipping through, and the Facebook posts that you can't get off of, and the person who said you were going to be a failure when you were nine, and you just can't get that voice out of your life, and you've been looking in the mirror, and you see a failure. But if you've been standing in front of that mirror, and you've been hearing by the word of God, and you've been hearing, I love you, I care for you, I knit you together, there's a plan and a purpose for your life, you've been gifted, you've been gifted with the passions in your life, you've been gifted with the things that you're good at, it's not just your personality, it's the anointing of heaven on your life, for people around you, you can heal the broken, you can raise the dead, you can save the lost, you can see God move in your life, you're going to see a child of God. What you hear shapes what you see, and I think as the church, as the people of God, we've got to start protecting our ears a little bit more. Sometimes you're so discouraged, not because God's not breaking through, but because of what you're listening to is shaping what you're seeing. And you're not feeding your faith. you got to feed your faith with what you're hearing. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? If you listen to Jesus, your faith will grow in your life. If you want to feed your faith, you've got to choose what you're listening to, because there's so many voices, and we need to hear from the one. Amen? I'm going to give you two things to help you listen to the right thing before we move on to the second point of the two. So this is the second set of two. I knew that would be annoying, but I didn't know anyone around yet. So, Number one, read your Bible. This. Read, read, read your Bible. Read your Bible. It, just trust me. Some of you gave the Bible a shot, and you're like, that's a terrible tried that. It made no sense. I didn't know what it was saying. I didn't like it. It was boring. I fell asleep. Me too. Been there. Done that. But read your Bible. If you read your Bible, this is the Word of God. He is speaking to you. He is speaking to you. He is speaking to you through His Word. And in the Bible, uh, Romans 10, uh, it says, uh, hearing by the Word of Christ. And, and in some other places in the New Testament, like John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The the word, word, is used a few times, and there's two Greek words that we get the one English word, word, from. Does anybody track what I'm saying? One of them's rhema, one of them's logos. They mean slightly different things, but what I think is fascinating, and this was jumping out to me just fresh this week, is that both words carry this connotation of discussion. You hear by the word of Christ, the speech of Christ, the discussion of Christ. God wants to dialogue with you. God wants to dialogue with you. And when you approach the Bible, approach the Bible with expectation to dialogue, not just intake information. That's where I missed for a long time. I tried reading this Bible for like the first 20 years of my life. I knew I should, but I hated it. But all of a sudden, one little shift, wait, Jesus wants to talk to me? We're having a dialogue. That changed everything for me. It's not glorious every day, but God began to speak to me through his word. I started to get to know him. When you come to his word, I want you to understand that it is primarily relational, not primarily academic. This is primarily relational, not primarily academic. So when you come to the Bible, I want to give you two tools. One, ask questions before you start reading. Just like changes your heart's expectation, invite God to move. So simple thing. 
You open up the Bible and say, okay, Jesus, as I read the Bible, would you tell me about who you are? Simple. Jesus, would you tell me about who I am? God, would you speak to me about my life this morning, today, this afternoon, this lunch break, as I read your word? Expect him to speak. Not, don't just read, expect to hear from God. Another really helpful tool is to start writing stuff down. Keep a journal with you or your computer, some documents going, something. Just track what you're reading. Just, just make notes of what God's speaking to you. You're not, I'm not saying, like, you know, be the next theologian who writes all these amazing books. Who gives about all that kind of stuff? This is you and Jesus. Just recording conversation. It helps you put something tangible to what you can't see. Is that helpful to anybody? Changed my life, so I'll just say it all day. Come and ask questions. Come and write stuff down. The second thing that you can do um, to help learn the voice of God, because like I said, there's so many voices in our life. And some of you I just even met this morning, and if we all stood up and started talking, I would not be able to pick your voice out among the crowd. I'm sorry, I love you. I just wouldn't be able to do it. But if my wife is here, she's with our little baby boy. He's cute. But if she were here, and we were all sitting out there talking, and all of a sudden she started laughing, I'd be able to hear it above everybody else. You just learn a voice, even in the midst of a crowd, right? But that took time. It takes relational intimacy. It takes friendship. And with all the voices going on in our life, we have to be faithful to put the time into learning how to hear his voice above the others. Reading your Bible, hearing from him is going to be a great tool for that. A second tool that I'm going to throw out there. Some of you are about to think I am so weird and like ooey-dooey and all that kind of stuff that I don't care because it changed my life. And I think it'll change yours too. Something called journaling. Not, not a diary. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a journal. Does anybody have journals? Anybody do this? Anybody read journals? Yeah, I'm not alone. That's what I'm talking about. Journaling. So journaling changed my life. And this is what I mean by that. I don't just mean, dear diary, yesterday I went to the store and I talked to this person and oh my gosh, it was awesome. That's not what I'm talking about. If you do that, that is totally awesome. And I love you for it. But that's not what I'm talking about. This, what I'm talking about is this, is this is the only word I have for recording dialogue with me and God, okay? Because God speaks to us. And this is something that was huge for me. And I learned this about eight years ago and started putting into regular practice. For some seasons, I did this every day. Some seasons, it was like once a month. Some seasons, it was just kind of, you know, every once in a while, I do this thing. But it was huge for me learning how to hear God's voice above the others. Does anybody want to hear God's voice above the others? Learn what he sounds like. Okay, so what I do is I pull out like a notebook. I'm not like the fancy journal guy with the leather with the 12 straps that are wrapped around it. It's got like four padlocks and the fancy quill pen. It's just a big pen and a journal for me, spiral bound. That's all I need. Like that's fancy for me. And that's totally irrelevant. So it, journal, take out your journal and I open up to a page. And this is what I do. Show them, Sam. Show them what I do. Boom. A for Andrew, colon. I was talking to somebody the other day who I told this about uh, a couple months ago, and she was saying she's been doing it. It's been changing her life. Well, her husband was telling me this, and, she, and he's going to get it later. This is why I'm telling it right now, because uh, she's like, hey, I've been doing the journaling thing. And he was like, oh, that's cool. Let me see. And, and in her journal, she's been putting A, colon, which he was like, hey, that's for Andrew. And uh, she's like, oh, I just thought that was part of it. So I'm not going to say her name, but, like, if her name was Lindsay, it would be L, colon. So if your name. 
So, hey, Colin, this is what I do. And then, and then so that's like when I have something to say. I'll just write it down because it's, I'm just recording it. So I write down a question in my life, a situation in my life, something I need God to speak on. I write down some worship, just stirring my heart up to Jesus. And then I stop. Not yet. Not yet. We practiced. We didn't. So I write down something that, that, I'm, that I'm trying to get with God about. And then, and, then I, and then I put G, colon, for God. You can put something else if you want. But it's just, okay, creating the space and the rhythm. Okay, God, now I'm going to stop. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to stop talking. I'm just going to listen. And I'm not talking about, boom, Jesus. That's what it's like, you know, every other morning. I'm kidding. Never had that happen. But it's just, wow, Lord, what are the sounds going through my heart? What are the senses in my heart? What are the thoughts going through my mind that line up with you? And you're just trying to learn the voice of God in the midst of all the voices going on. I'll write down what I think he's saying. Sometimes I don't, like, get anything. Sometimes it's a page. Sometimes it's, like, a word. Sometimes I'm like, there's no way that was God. And I'm not saying you're, like, rewriting the Bible, and this is now, like, all brand-new theology. It's just what are the practices that we can put in our life to learn to hear God's voice speaking to us? For, for example, what I would do is I could put, if I don't have anything to say, a lot of times I start off with this. I start off, I write, good morning, Jesus, and I listen. It seems like every morning he says, good morning, Andrew, or good morning, son. And you can think that's cheesy, but it's God, and it means a lot to me. If you don't have anything to say, this is a great question to regularly ask God. So A for Andrew, or other letter for your name. What do you think about me today? Can anybody ever be used to be encouraged by God? Could you use that? Sometimes we need to know what he thinks about us. Lord, what do you think about me today? Lord, what do I need to hear about you today? Lord, what do I need to know about my day today? Lord, there's this thing going on. What's my next step here? It's just like you would hang out with a friend. And just like you would hang out with a friend, you'd sit down and you'd just start talking. You'd start sharing. Sometimes you'd ask questions. Sometimes you just say thoughts. Sometimes you listen. Sometimes, Can you get what I'm saying? He says, well, her is friend. We're his friend. And the best way to build this rhythm into your life is set it up just like you would with your friend. When you're going to hang out with your friend, what do you do? You set up a time and a place. I encourage you, set up a consistent time and a consistent place for you to meet with Jesus. I've got that. My alarm goes off. It's in the morning. I say, that time and that chair, it's me and Jesus are hanging out. Just like I would with anybody else. You may be totally weirded out, but I hope that helps somebody in the room. You got to watch what you're listening to because it defines what you see. Second thing. Ooh, this is good. I'm going to throw this in at the end. Come to Jesus to learn identity, not just information. When you read your Bible, when you're hearing from God, be learning identity. His identity and yours, not just information. Number two, the big number two, the first number two, feed your faith and commit to church. Of course the pastor's going to say that, right? But commit to church. Because you're not going to be the first Christian in all of history to live a thriving, fruitful life in God all alone. You're not. Nobody's done it yet, and you're not going to be the first one. Commit to church. We've got to be people who commit to one another. Don't just attend. Don't just join. Don't just let it be your thing. Commit. And I'm not talking just to Antioch. I'm saying to the people in your row, the people in a life group, the people that you want to give your life to. We got to be people who commit to one another. It's something lacking in our life. And when the pressure gets put on, you're going to want to withdraw. But when the pressure comes on, that's when you need the people of God. That's when you need the people of God because you cannot do it alone. And don't wait till it's too late. Don't wait till the pressure's on and you realize, man, I wish I would have committed a week ago to some people. 
What I mean by this is not like not just attend, but but do jump in, come come to church consistently, initiate with people around you, join a life group. Absolutely, you've got just start building relationships with people. It takes commitment. I wish there was the practicals, and we can try to put up all these kinds of systems. And if it's like if you go to three times a coffee, you're going to be best friends. But that's not how it works. You got to get messy with people. You got to share the thing you don't want to share. You got to work through the relational conflict. It'd be easier to walk away from. You got to show up to life group when you don't want to. You got to come to church when it's inconvenient. If you just put in the time because of your commitment, you will bear the fruit. Ephesians 1, says this about church. This is, this is really powerful. I promise you it's in there. Come on. It says this. It's like in the middle of a sentence. I can't pull it off the memory. I'm sorry. We'll get it up there in a second. But if you commit, <laughs> and he put all things, we're going to do the next verse too. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Sometimes I think it's like, well, me and Jesus, we just kind of walk around. But no, if you want the fullness of God, you've got to be connected to his church. Maybe you feel like Jesus is letting you down because you're not stepping into his fullness. You're not going to be 100% gifted in everything. You need what the people around you bring to the table, and they need what you bring to the table. We've got to commit to each other. And if you're here, if you're looking for church, if you do the church hopping thing, I, I want you to commit to church. Don't do it for me. Do it for you. Your church hopping is not helping you. You've got to get relationship with people where you can start connecting to the fullness of God. So if, if this is where you want to start calling home, I encourage you. Like I said, this is our ninth week. Everybody's new, so there's no little circles. You're not on the outside. We're all just figuring this out, all right? So initiate with somebody. Say, hey, I don't know you. I'm new here. You want to go to coffee sometime? Initiate. Invite a family over for dinner maybe that you see as you're picking up some kids or something. If you want relationships, let's be people who initiate. Let's just... It just makes everything better instead of sitting back and wondering, well, why is nobody calling me? Maybe because nobody has your phone number because you ain't given it. I don't know. Just go call somebody. Go initiate with somebody. And we can do it. We can do it. And, get, and start serving. Start serving somebody, whether that's on a Sunday morning or just when nobody else knows about it. Start giving your life away to people. Start giving your life away to people. Even in the pressure, don't stop giving. Your giving is going to be a release valve for the pressure because, oh, my goodness, I realize it's not all about me. My life is bigger than myself. I live in a world that doesn't revolve around me. I'm just going to keep giving, and the pressure comes coming off. Blow off some steam by giving your life away. Commit to the church. Feed your faith and commit to the church. You guys ready to be done? Let's stand up. We're going to worship for one more song this morning. And I want us to respond in two ways. We're going to have some people over here who are ready to pray with you, and we do this at the end of our services every week because we want to be people who respond to what God's doing in us, not just hear it, not just get fired up, but we ask God, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? How do I need to respond to what you're saying to me this morning? These people over here, it's not because they're perfect. They just want to pray with you. And I want to encourage you, don't leave this morning without responding the way that you need to respond. You may need to respond in a couple ways. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, and that's why you have no peace. That's why you can't get victory over these things. That's why nothing seems to make sense. You need to surrender your life to Jesus first. I'm not saying it's going to take care of everything, but he is everything that you need. 
You need to give your life to Jesus this morning. Some of you, maybe you've got something you've been listening to, and you just need to confess it out there and be like, I've been listening to this thing, and I need, I need to just turn from that. I need to let God speak to me. I want to encourage you to respond. As we do this song, it's called Everything and Nothing Less. It talks about surrendering all to Jesus. Whether you come over and give prayer or not, have a moment with God where you give it all to him because you're going to have pressure. And he's the only one that can give you peace. He's the only one that overcomes. If you need God to move in your life, if you need God to be an overcoming God in your life, I want to encourage you to go get some prayer. If you just need anything at all, if you need something in your body healed, if you need something in your life healed, just step out in faith. Step out in faith. Let somebody pray with you. Don't leave without getting what you need this morning. So I want to pray for us. If you bow your head. And as we close, just before I pray, I want to do this. Give an opportunity. If you're here this morning, just before I pray, nobody's going to stare at you and call you out to come up on stage. But if you need to give your life to Jesus, I want you just right now to go ahead and raise your hand. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you realize I need to give my life to Jesus this morning. I don't have peace in my life. I need Jesus in my life. I need to surrender it all. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and put your hand down. As I pray, I want you to start moving. Whether you want to give your life to Jesus, whether you need something, don't care what other people think. Just do what you need to do to meet with Jesus this morning. And let's sing this song together. Jesus, I love you. I thank you that you have overcome the world and that in you we have peace. Would you come in power, Holy Spirit, right now as we surrender all to you?